the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in worship this morning. And we thank you that your spirit has already been on the move, moving us as we breathe out prayers to you and as we breathe in the work of your spirit, as we gather with the honor of baptizing a little one in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, would you continue to be at work among us? And Lord, we lift up uh, Naja to you and her family, that you would... Uh, bless and protect them, be present with them in this moment of need. Spirit, would you open our hearts, prepare us for all that you have in store for us the rest of this morning and this week, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to see you. I want to add my words of welcome to you this morning and to welcome those who are joining online as well. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that uh, we are in this series we're calling On the Road with Jesus. And maybe as we think about what the roads look like in Jesus' time, they might look a little different than many of the roads we typically encounter. Some of our roads these days have street lamps and brick walls and pavement, and it probably looked a bit different in Jesus' time. But the image we're trying to capture is, is one of a journey that this life of discipleship is a journey of faith that takes us along the road and that just as Jesus' first disciples were able to, we get to follow along in the path of Jesus. I want to thank Pastor Allie for bringing God's word to us last week. And we've seen in these first couple chapters of Mark that Mark really is kind of the, the action novel, the action story of the Gospels because he's eager to bring us to those stories, those accounts of Jesus doing stuff with his disciples. Already in in Mark chapter 1, we've seen Jesus call his disciples and call other people to follow him, and we've seen crowds gather. We've seen Jesus heal the sick, give freedom to the demon-possessed. He's teaching, teaching small groups, teaching large crowds, and he's on the move, inviting people to follow him. And we see that the crowds are, are growing. Attention is being drawn to Jesus, this itinerant rabbi who seems to be different than others the people have encountered. And this morning in Mark chapter 4, we'll see that as Jesus continues to teach the crowds, more and more he adopts a targeted teaching technique. We see in the Gospel of Mark that more and more as Jesus teaches the people, he speaks to them using parables. These stories that use rich imagery and convey truth through metaphors. Parables, these stories that a covenant professor and theologian has called stories with intent. They're told with a purpose. Because when Jesus told parables, he wasn't just spinning yarns to entertain people. Yes, he was using powerful imagery that would draw people in, but there was always a purpose to his teaching. He used things from everyday life to be able to help people understand and receive eternal truths. The Gospels speak of Jesus using parables to make things clear and understandable to the people that he was teaching. But then the Gospels tell us that sometimes Jesus would also use parables 
to keep truths hidden from people, people whose, whose hearts were, were hard and whose eyes and ears were closed to the things of God. And so there were numerous times when Jesus would teach and then later on he would let his disciples in on some expanded teaching. He would explain what the parables meant so that they would be sure to get it. And this morning's uh, passage from Mark 4 is one of those occasions. So let's read Mark 4, verses 1 through 9. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so here in this parable, Jesus teaches about four different soil types and four different outcomes based on the conditions of those soils. He talks first about the soil that, that makes up the well-worn path. This is soil that's been tramped and trodden down by frequent footsteps. It's hard. It's impervious. It's impenetrable. And so when the, so, when the seed that is scattered freely lands on that soil... Uh, it, it can't sink in. And all that happens is the birds swoop down, thank the farmer for his troubles, and eat a free meal. And then Jesus talks about the rocky soil. Now, farmers that would have heard about this soil would have thought right away about how worthless rocky soil tends to be, other than the fact that it contains free material to build a stone wall. But other than that, rocky soil isn't worth farming much. And we see in the story that the seeds that fall into this soil don't thrive. Jesus says that at first they appear to thrive, the plants that grow up in the rocky soil. They do well. They actually spring up quickly. But the plants that grow in the rocky soil turn out to be rootless wonders. And so when the scorching sun comes, they wither quickly. Jesus talks about a third kind of soil. In this situation, the problem isn't really so much with the soil itself, it's with the fact that this ground has not been properly cleared. And so it's infested with thorns and brambles. And these thorns and brambles end up being kind of a choking hazard to the healthy plants that are trying to grow up among them. And Jesus says those young plants just can't compete with the hardy weeds. They can't get the sun. They can't get the fresh air. There's no room for them to grow and multiply. And they don't bear fruit because those plants don't reach maturity. And then Jesus teaches about one final kind of soil. And so far, these soil conditions are 0 for 3 in terms of being able to produce a good crop. This fourth and final soil is what Jesus calls the good soil. Maybe something like the rich sediment that the Connecticut River Valley is famous for. 
This is farming heaven. This is what farmers would dream about. Jesus says the seeds that land in this soil not only spring up, but produce a crop. 30 times what was sown, 60 times, even 100 times what was planted. And that's where Jesus ends his teaching, simply saying, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so I imagine being there in that crowd, hearing Jesus say, say that these words, tell this story, spin these images from the boat. And I imagine there were some in the crowd who kind of looked at each other and saying, well, like that's it? So is this farming 101? Is this like just a simple agricultural lesson? What's Jesus trying to say? Is Jesus trying to tell us that we need to be wise and careful farmers? Is Jesus saying if we are in the business of planting seed, we need to be aware that there are different kinds of soil and that based on the soil, we should expect a different outcome? Do we need to be cautious with the use of the seeds we plant? And apparently, even Jesus' chosen disciples aren't quite sure what to make of this parable, this story taken from their agrarian society. And so let's pick up the story in Mark 4.10, where we read that when Jesus was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about these parables. And Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And so as Jesus meets afterward in this private session with his disciples, he explains to them, no, this, this was not a farming lesson. There's more to the story. He explains that these four soils represent four different people with four different heart conditions. Just as the soils in the story led to four different outcomes for the seed that was planted there, Jesus teaches that a person's heart condition is going to dictate the outcome of what happens when God's word comes to any individual. The well-worn path, Jesus says, represents the hard heart. This is the heart that is impervious to the word of God. It simply can't take it in. And Jesus reveals that the bird of the story actually represents Satan himself, coming down to snatch away even the little bit of truth that landed in this person's life. The consequences here are much more dire than simply the loss of a few seeds into a bird's stomach rather than into the soil. Jesus next tells his disciples that the rocky soil also represents a human heart condition. 
Jesus says these are the people who, who actually seem to make an impressive start when it comes to responding to God's word. There are signs of life. Things spring up quickly. But these are people who maybe have heard a little bit of God's word, but haven't quite heard enough or maybe haven't heard enough to think things through deeply. Maybe they've heard some words of comfort and encouragement from God's word. And they say, that sounds terrific. I'm going to look for more of that. And they'll assume that, that life following Christ will be easy. Or maybe they've heard from the words of, of God's word that they're being called to an adventure. And so they should be ready for things to be exciting. And then they find out, well, it's not all exciting. And it's not all instantly rewarding, especially when trouble or persecution comes. And so Jesus says, these are the people who are the rootless wonders, those who spring up quickly, but who wither and shrivel when things get tough. And they end up leaving their faith and the word of God behind. It's hard to grow when there are rocks in our lives. I was... uh, hiking recently, and it came upon a tree that had fallen over. And it looked like a pretty healthy tree, pretty solid, but it completely uh, had blown over, so the roots were pulled up. And as I looked at it more closely, as I came around uh, the root structure, I saw why this tree was so challenged, and it had been growing or attempting to grow on a big pile of rocks. And so when the tree was knocked over, it was revealed um, what the soil was really like beneath. This is what Jesus is talking about. Now, that tree didn't quickly wither or fade, but eventually the rockiness of our hearts will be revealed. Jesus says, there are those whose hearts are like the soil that's choked with thorns and brambles. And he says, these are the people who are distracted in life and in their faith. Any interest they might have in God's word is really eclipsed, is choked out by their worries, by their concerns, by their fears, or by the lure of of wealth and things they desire that would have them head down a path other than what God intends for them. And so just like the hard-hearted or shallow-hearted people, Jesus says, these people who are living a life that's choked out by thorns and brambles won't have anything to show for the word of God coming into their life. But there is one good soil, one healthy heart condition, Jesus says. And this is the person who hears God's word and is able to receive it, able to take it in deep, and who then produces a crop in response. This is the receptive, obedient heart. And Jesus says, you're going to know this heart, you're going to know this person with this heart condition by the crop they produce. The good soil, Jesus says, will yield an abundant crop, returning many times more than what was planted. This person who's open and receptive to God's word, who's willing to let it dig down deep and penetrate into their lives, will have something to show for their life. They'll live a life of obedience, and that will make all the difference. It'll be obedience that actually leads to impact in the kingdom of God. This person will live life in response to God's word in a way that the people around them will actually be blessed. Their lives will be different 
because this person chooses to live according to God's word. Today, as we walk along the road with Jesus, as we kind of listen in on these two encounters in the Gospel of Mark, we get to hear Jesus teaching the people from the boat, and we get to eavesdrop as Jesus then later meets with his disciples and explains exactly what's going on. And so each of us this morning, having heard God's word, are in a position to respond. And Jesus teaches that our response will be based on the condition of our hearts. Each of us has a heart today that most closely resembles one of these four soil types and heart conditions described by Jesus. We'll, we'll have a heart that's, that's hard and just completely unreceptive to the things of God, or we'll have a heart that's rocky, that's got too much in it for allow God's word to really take deep root, or we'll have a, a heart that's in a life that's choked out with brambles and thorns and distractions, and so we are just pulled away from a, a right response to God's word, or we might have a heart that's closest to that good soil, ready to respond, eager to be obedient and to submit to God. When I used to travel through uh, Minnesota, where I used to live. Sometimes if I was in a different part of the state, I would enjoy putting the car radio into scan mode and just let it flip through the stations and see if I could pick up stations that we didn't get in the Twin Cities. And sometimes if I was traveling in a rural area, uh, the station would land on something that I could tell was the local crop report. If that happened, I always hit stop Because even though I knew nothing about farming, I was just fascinated by these stories. Uh, In fact, I was fascinated to hear about something that I was clueless about. I wanted to know, like, like, what's a crop report? And what's going on with soybeans? And what's going on with wheat? And I could tell as these reports were being broadcast that though they were basically irrelevant to me, they would have been very important to the farmers who were tuning in. For those farmers who were actually seeking to make a living from from farming, these crop reports were important. It was important to know what the long-range forecast was going to be. It was important to know how crops were doing and what they were selling for in the markets. And so for us as disciples of Jesus, following along the road in the path of our rabbi, it's going to be important for us to get a crop report on our lives. Crop reports matter. It's important to look at how we're doing and the kind of fruitfulness we're having. We need to care about the state of our hearts. We need to see how well we've been responding to God's word. What have we been yielding lately? How's the return on what God has poured into our hearts through his word? What's growing in our lives? Where's there evidence of fruitfulness and faith? What seems to be getting choked out? And what can we do about it? Some people have taken those, these numbers that Jesus presents twice, 30, 60, 100, to represent the fact that there would be some, somewhere between 30 and 100 people actually coming to faith in Jesus because of one Christian's faithful witness. Most Bible commentators assume that these, these numbers aren't really literal, but are always referring to kind of this manifold increase. The fact that if someone is following Jesus and allowing God's word to penetrate into their lives in a way that makes a difference, there will be something to show for it. And not just something to show for it, but there will actually be multiplication. There will be uh, a bounty coming out of the faithful disciple's life. 
Jesus teaches us that if the soil of our hearts is good, we are going to be people who multiply, who take what we've been given and by God's grace are able to pour out even more. Because farming actually really only makes sense if what you take out of the ground is worth more than what you put in. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's something more valuable than the Word of God, but I think the image that Jesus is teaching us here is that it matters what comes out of our encounter with God's Word. God is planting seeds in our hearts and waiting to see what kind of crop is produced. We've been invested in by the church. We've been invested in by those people who have taught us. We've been invested in by the Spirit himself as he opens up the Word of God to us as we encounter it. And so this morning, as we look at our own crop reports, we can ask, well, how are we doing and how might we make the condition of our soil, the condition of our hearts better, more fruitful, more likely to result in multiplication? Now, it's interesting to note that in the, each of the cases presented in Jesus' story, the soil really doesn't do anything. It's very passive. The farmer, we see, is going around scattering seed, apparently uh, very freely, but the soil just is. It's either hard or rocky or thorny or good. And so it might be tempting to come away from this story and say, well, I guess this is just a story about the condition of people's hearts. That some people are hard-hearted and God's word can't make a difference. Some people have uh, open and receptive hearts and God's word will take root. But I believe that there is soil work that each of us can do as disciples of Jesus Christ. Yes, the the soils in the story are passive, but we have to remember that this is a parable. This is a metaphor. And that when Jesus teaches in parables, it's not that each and every element specifically and exactly correlates to a real-life component. The features of the parables don't always exactly mirror the truths they represent. Jesus teaches that the soils represent heart conditions, and we know there are things we can do to nurture the health of our hearts. It's true about our physical hearts as we seek to stay fit, It's true about our spiritual hearts as well. There are things we can do. And so today I invite you to listen for God's invitation. His invitation in the week ahead to do some reflection, to say if I were to write out or broadcast a crop report for my own life, what would the news be? What would I have to broadcast? And if I sense that there's some soil conditioning work that needs to happen, how might I engage in God's, in the work that God's inviting me to do. Has your heart become hardened so that God's word simply can't make a difference at all? How might you break up that tight pack soil a bit, do some hoeing out, stir things up a bit so that God's word can take root? Maybe it's time to spend some, some time in God's word slowly and prayerfully reading through it asking God to speak to you, maybe falling in love with God's word again or for the first time? Have you even been getting enough time in God's word? Is there seed that continues to be planted in your life? Maybe this week you'll recognize there are some rocky places in your heart 
places that are preventing God's word from making a deep impact. Maybe you recognize that there are actually some, some shallow places in your faith. Even if you've been a Christian for years or even decades, you say, you know what? I've kind of been stagnant or plateaued in, in this area. And I want to see God, how God might do some deeper work there. Are there any thorns choking your life? Do you recognize that there are worries or fears or concerns or distractions that seem to be sucking more energy out of your life than God's Word is? Have you noticed that you've been distracted and that your desire is even maybe drifting away from the things of God? I invite you to ask God to to show you this week what your priorities really are, to have him give you an honest glimpse into what's really important to you, and if there are any priority adjustments that he's inviting you to make, any overgrown brambles and thorns he's inviting you to, to pull out and clear out of your life. It's interesting, Jesus didn't talk ever about perfect soil. He talks about good soil. I think all of us have things to do that we could work on in the soil of our lives. None of us have the perfect soil or the perfect heart. We all have things we can do to work on our responsiveness, our obedience to God. We can take steps to make sure that our time in God's word, our time receiving the seed that God the Father is scattering so generously into our lives, taking time to make sure it makes a difference. Not just to read the Bible, but take some time and say, God, what do you want me to do about this? How can I grow? How can I produce a crop based on what you've spoken to me today? There are things we can do to work at the soil of our heart. And we know that even as we do that, we are people who rely on God. It's God who really changes us from the inside out. We rely on a father who reveals his word to us. We rely on Jesus, his son, who, who gives us pictures pictures in the Gospels of what it looks like to have a life fully submitted to the Word of God. And we rely on a Holy Spirit who enables us and empowers us to actually follow the example of Jesus. We rely on God, but we can work on the soil of our hearts. So this week, our Try This uh, experiment or experiential will invite you to go on a, a parable walk with God. I'm convinced that the God actually still uses the everyday things around us to speak to us as Christ's disciples and to show us things, to teach us things about God's kingdom and about eternal truths. And so you'll see in the card that you can receive on the way out today or you'll see links to this on the sermon webpage uh, what it might mean and look like for you to, to go on a walk with God this week. And ask him to allow you to pay attention to anything that he wants you to pay attention to. And if something seems to catch your attention on that walk, to pause and say, Jesus, do you have a word for me? Is there something you want to speak to my life? Is there something you want to say about my heart, about my faith, about your kingdom? And so I invite you to try that out this week. And any of you who did not have a chance to do last week's Try This, uh, in which Pastor Ali invited us to imagine with the, the wide open uh, canvas that a child might address. I want you to know that that uh, canvas there will be available in the narthex after the service if you want to do some uh, creative 
scribbling and, uh, and drawing. God invites us to a faith that is active. He invites us to a journey with Christ that is never static and never intended to be stagnant. It's always meant to yield a crop. A crop that will result in our neighbors being blessed. A crop that will mean that we are falling more deeply in love with God. It allows us to love God with more of our heart, more of our strength, more of our mind, more of our soul. And a faith that allows us to truly love our neighbors as ourselves. In the weeks ahead, may we be intentional about doing some heart work and allowing God more free and unfettered access to our hearts so that he might change us from the inside out. Would you join me in prayer? Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh on us? Spirit, in the week ahead, would you mold us, move us, use us, prepare us for that part in the kingdom that you want us to play. Would you change our hearts, however they need to be changed, in order for us to be people who are more and more like that good soil, ready to receive God's word and to produce a result that advances the kingdom of God here on earth. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.